We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. And joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Uh, very uh, fitting day in the life of Alex and his fandom as the Chargers sign Jeremiah Atauchu and his Eagles trade for Robert Quinn. So, uh, Alex, how are you doing today, man? And uh, what was today like? Yeah, um, very weird because I honestly forgot Jerry was still in the league, uh, but he's back and he's a charger. Uh, and of course, yeah, they had the tweet that was like, we're moving Jay-Z to injured reserve. In comes Jerry Atouchu. But he's here to fortify the depth. Hopefully, you know, he boosts the uh, edge rush from what it has been. So, you know, here's to hoping. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles make a big move, and yeah, the Chargers are stuck in 2014 as for me and Tyler's names. So here's the hoping it works out. Uh, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, it is the uh, duality of franchises for sure. Um, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm just scrapping the lowest part of my soul to find some optimism and some way to get behind this Jeremiah Tachu signing. Um, I'm sure it was a lot easier for Alex to get behind Robert Quinn. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. It's a slightly different uh, case for the Eagles in the NFC and, uh, you know, being able to get Robert Quinn. So um, obviously that's where we'll start today um, as the Chargers, you know, make it official first with JC Jackson, I guess. Um, and then also with the signing of Jeremiah Atauchu. So I was a little surprised that Chris Rumpf did uh, also not go on injured reserve. 
Um, I didn't really see an update from uh, the reporters today about Chris Rump. So we'll see what happens there. But um, JC Jackson on injured reserve, his season is officially over. Um, since the last time we talked, obviously, we have gotten more clarification on what his injury is. It is a ruptured patella tendon, um, which is one of the worst injuries possible for a professional athlete or any athlete in general. So I have had that injury. The recovery is brutal. Uh, I was not a professional athlete at that time. I was a high school athlete. So uh, very different you know, circumstances for sure. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure people in the chat can you know, mention the studies and things like that, that JC Jackson is in for uh, quite a long haul over the next couple of years as he recovers from uh, this ruptured patella tendon. Yeah, about as bad as news if you could have received on that particular end, I suppose. Um, they will all but likely be forced to keep Michael Davis at this point or burn an early pick on a corner, which I, I guess is also possible. But J.C. Jackson might not even start the year playing for the Chargers. And even if he is somewhat playing, he's still not going to be 100%. So the Chargers are not going to have to watch Michael Davis. Maybe it gets really bad and you do have to cut him. But like Michael Davis might have just earned his job again next year as a $9 million, whatever years a year guy. Because yeah. JC's not going to be ready. JC, it's so tough because we don't also, we just don't know anything about JC. And people in the chat might say, like, oh, he sucks. That's what we know. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's quite that. But we also don't know that he's, a positive for this team yet either it looked like it it was so close but then he got hurt so the Chargers are going to roll next year with probably having to keep michael davis and then jc not even playing to start the year and then when he does play is he even good we don't even know that like if joey joey bosa missed this year i know if he came back next year he's one of the best edge rushers in the league he just sure. missed the year jc jackson i think he can be one of the better corners in the league but we don't really know that so it's it's a very very tough situation and it's going to change their future outlook yeah um and if we were just to take the longer end of you know recovery and just say nine months from now that brings us to next july right like the soonest that jc will feel comfortable just running is next training camp and then you start talking about getting into the swing of things and you know getting conditioned for the preseason which as we know was with the, the knee wound injury, you know, tough thing for him already this year. So, you know, we're certainly starting behind the eight ball in terms of this five-year contract with JC Jackson. Um, and it just is really unfortunate, especially because he was starting to play well in that Seattle game. And then just things, you know, have not gone well. Um, <laughs> I guess getting into the cherry Tauchu part of this, um, just not a name that I would have expected in terms of trying to bolster the edge group like at all. Um, you know, this is kind of one of those situations where I thought maybe they'd like lean towards like a, a Carlo Kemp or lean towards even like um, M.K. Agbalay, like if he's still around. Right. So I sort of thought they kind of would have gone there as opposed to just going back all the way to Jerry Tauchu, who obviously hasn't played in a while. Um, so I just, yeah, was a little bit surprised in that sense that they would have gone for a player like that. But, um, you know, he can get back to his days of old production and, you know, that would obviously be a really good thing. 
um, was a pretty consistent player for the Broncos in, you know, 2020 and 2021 for what it's worth. But it's just we haven't seen it uh, in a while from him. So just not what I would have expected from an edge. But definitely in terms of the corresponding move, big blow for J.C. Jackson. Um, and it's, it's, it's a disaster in terms of, you know, what we need for this franchise and, you know, not being able to have any clarity there, not knowing if you're keeping Michael Davis or drafting another corner, um, I think is, is a huge problem. Yeah. In terms of JC, obviously you can look at the most notable and probably the worst outcome of this specific injury recently was Victor Cruz, right? I believe it was in 2015. He ruptured his patella tendon um came back in 2016 and was just not ready he had and then he had like a hamstring and a calf injury and um just like was never really himself again he played in a in the 2017 season um and did not really ever look like himself again so um that's kind of the worst outcome there you know obviously that would be really unfortunate for jc jackson after the way that his career has started and then he finally gets his big payday um, and then also you could look at maybe a more positive um, outcome of, of Jimmy Graham, who tore his patella tendon or ruptured it, I guess, uh, when he was in New Orleans. Um, and he still ended up having a couple Pro Bowl seasons left after that, played in the NFL, obviously, for the Bears and, and the Packers and still had a pretty good career. So it's not a super common NFL injury, right? I feel like most of the knee injuries that we see are kind of an ACL, MCL in nature. Um, but this is obviously not great for JC and what it means for the future. We'll see. I, I'm not totally sold on Michael Davis, you know, earning his, his role back. I still think there's a world where he doesn't play super well. Chargers still cut him to save some money and then maybe they draft a corner again relatively early. So, um, that remains to be seen in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not sold that Michael Davis solidifies this position as others assume i mean he has his weaknesses he has his strengths for sure um but i'm just i'm not there with michael davis so it, it sucks for jc jackson man there's no way around it yeah absolutely getting back to jeremiah tauju it's so weird going back to the start <laughs> of my real like serious fandom for the chargers and think of the guy from georgia tech and all those things um what would make him a more desirable option than emeka egbule unless you're me and well, I guess Jamal Davis, but like Carlo Kemp, it, veteran presence. Is he better against the run? I just, I, I don't know what made him or Derek Tuska, you know, more desirable than some of the other guys that they could have picked up. Like, what is the, what is the draw here? Yeah. In terms of Jeremiah Hutaju, right? Like he, he was pretty solid for the Broncos in 2019 and 2020 um, when Brandon Staley was hired. I thought maybe that they would bring Jeremiah back last season. Um, you know, somebody he was familiar with and knew the scheme and, and stuff like that. Um, but he spends last year with Chicago, you know, floated back and forth between the practice squad and the active roster. And then this year, same thing in Baltimore. Baltimore cuts him to sign uh, JPP, and he's just been kind of out there. So it's <laughs> it's strange, man. I I When I was picturing kind of the additions of an edge rusher, I was definitely not picturing a Jeremiah Atatu reunion. Um, you know, there were other veteran players out there if they wanted to go that route. Um, obviously, there's Emeka Egbule, who the team was familiar with. So 
it's just puzzling. It feels like the Trey Marshall signing like all over again. Um, somebody that oh, they... that makes me really optimistic. <laughs> Sick. Sorry, sorry. I hate to burst the bubbles. Like I think again, if this were two years ago, I'd be like, okay, I understand it. He's he was productive, but he just hasn't been around. And so to me, this is like. We didn't really believe fully in Emeka Agbele or Carlo Kemp, and we're just, you know, going to throw something out the wall and and maybe it sticks. I don't know. So um, hard to be really optimistic about this signing at all, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the first signing that I thought of personally in relation to this one was when they signed Jaleel Adai in 2020 after Derwin James got hurt. Like, to me, it's just yeah. like, oh, I know that guy, and we have an injury <laughs> there right now, and so let me call up his agent. Like, it was a very, you know, kind of similar instance um, in that case when, obviously, Derwin got hurt, and everyone's like, oh, well, maybe they'll go get Earl Thomas. Maybe they'll go crazy, and then it's like, okay, here's Jaleel Adai. We're very familiar yeah. with what he does. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is that familiarity and, and maybe there obviously are players that could have given you more production than Jerry Tauchu at this point. But if they're familiar with the system, then I think that that's what Telesco was comfortable with at this stage, too. <laughs> Marco points out that we know how to reach M- Egbele. We do. Uh, but, you know, this... Uh... We got a plug. <laughs> we, got, we got a plug. But in all seriousness, I would have preferred Kyler Fackrell over this. Like, you know, I, I think that w- that probably should have been the move because, you know, some beat reporters are saying they're like, oh, like he's going to be the special teams replacement for Chris Rumpf. It's like, what not that what Derek Tus- Tuska is supposed to be? Like, the Chargers need like a legitimate edge three right now and frankly probably need a legitimate edge two in my opinion. <laughs> um so I just, I don't understand this. Like, again, if you're signing this to replace Chris Rump's special teams ability, like, I think that's a very poor process because now you're going to be asking Kyle Van to play 80% of the snaps on the edge. And like, he's good against the run. I think that's his, probably his best attribute as, as an edge rusher, but there, there's just no pass rushers outside of Cleo Mack on the edge. Like I just, I'm very skeptical of this plan and you know they've said in the past that you know they can kick morgan fox to the outside and like again like you need like a legit edge three at minimum not some special teamer who can play you know 10 snaps a game on defense and now they have two of those guys and you know the gap between calvinoy and those two guys is pretty big in my opinion and then the gap between khalil mack and calvinoy is huge so (laughs) Um, it's just, it's not pretty right now. They're going to have to continue to manufacture, um, pressures in external ways with stunts and blitzes. And that's just not a sustainable way to play defense. And we've seen it really bite them in the ass the past couple of times that they've played a good quality offensive line. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns just whooped on the pass rush because they're a good offensive line. The Seattle Seahawks, same thing. Kilomac has his worst game, and so Geno Smith is just chilling in the pocket all game long. So I'm very confused by this move. You know, again, if like Derek Tuska was the injury, okay, sure, go sign some special teams edge rusher. But it's like, sure, you need somebody who can legitimately rush the passer, not somebody mm-hmm. to put, come in and play special teams. Yeah, that's that's cheese, Louise. Uh, the Tuska Atauju rotation certainly doesn't scare anyone. And I know the 49ers, as soon as Kalimak is off the field for any portion of the game, they are going to absolutely run it in either direction and have tons of success. The Falcons will do that too, man. Like, oh, yeah. They have yeah. some, they're playing some good offensive lines coming up. Like, this is, this is a big concern. And, you know, we'll get to like the bye week takeaways, but 
frankly, like I have more faith in the offense figuring it out right now than I do with the defense because I yeah. just, I, there's no pass rush. The linebackers are a concern. You don't have a safety besides Derwin James who likes to tackle consistently. Like I, I'm very skeptical about the defense going forward. Yeah. As am I, I didn't realize Tuska and Atachi were on the Broncos together. So it really is a Tara, a Marshall, Trey Marshall signing and uh, Isang Basie and uh, the other guy who wasn't good. <laughs> what was his name? Oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking right now. I don't know, but uh, there's, there, hey man, if there's, there's one other pass rusher out there that they could go and just, you know, uh, really you know, bring back the whole Denver edge room and that's uh, Malik Reed in Pittsburgh, who's one of the worst edge rushers in the league right now, so. Maybe that's the trade target. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So obviously this is not the only thing that we're going to talk about tonight. We are going to talk about some uh, fun bye week conversations as well. So we are going to talk about the trade deadline, which is, uh, like I said, rapidly approaching. And then after that, we're going to discuss, uh, well, not discuss, we're going to revisit our uh, preseason tiers, um, essentially doing kind of like a, performance check-in with the Chargers players, uh, most of the key players anyway. And we're going to see who, uh, you know, has moved up that chart, who's moved down. Uh, some of them are going to be pretty uh, striking. Uh, but first and foremost, we are going to start with the uh, trade deadline uh, and the news that, well, not news, but um, you know, we're, we're a little over, a little under a week away, I should say, from the trade deadline. So we're just going to bring up three names. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the uh, bigger names that are on the market as well. But um alex we'll start with you um i already know the answer to this but do you see the chargers going <laughs> big game hunting at all next week uh no big game hunting very small <laughs> small duck hunting uh <laughs> as i guess in this case is what i would call it um we're starting at jerry Atachi, so I, yeah. I don't think we're getting any uh robert quinn type deals for the chargers unfortunately but you know, maybe Robert Quinn only going for a fourth round pick. It makes it so the Chargers can get, you know, other edge players for slightly less value. And that's actually my first trade. This was a list that was made before they signed Jerry Atauchu because that came out of left field. But uh, I, another Jerry, Jerry Hughes is, is available. Uh, and if the Chargers wanted to go that way, I, you know, that's still a deal that makes sense for them. Uh, he is only on a two-year deal uh, of which going into next season, they can save $5 million by uh, releasing him. So if they just wanted him as a supplementary player for this season uh, with the Joey Bosa injury and obviously everything that's happened since, Joey Bosa most likely still out somewhere between five and six weeks um, if we're looking at his timetable realistically. Uh, if you go... Get Jerry Hughes right now for probably not much more than a lower day three pick based on, you know, the evaluation of Robert Quinn today. I mean, I, I don't think that that's some, I, you know, the Texans are obviously a team that's rebuilding. They want to accumulate assets and picks uh, and, and everything they can for the Chargers. It helps kind of stop the bleeding uh, at the edge position for now. And, you know, you can sort of just sort of move forward. Uh, and when, uh, Joey Bosa does come back, you can then run Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and, and Jerry Hughes as your three edge rushers, which, I mean, just would be amazing uh, if they, you know, somehow find a way to be able to do that. 
Um, so for me, you know, if we're talking about which one is like the most obvious trade target, uh, you know, out of my list that I made that I think is realistically obtainable, uh, and you know, obviously the money works out, the picks work out, uh, and it, it just makes a little bit too much sense for the Chargers to still do it, even with noted 2022 edge rusher Jerry Atauchu now on the team. <laughs> um, I still think Jerry Hughes uh, is an option for them. No, I had him on my list as well. He's somebody I'd be very interested in, and, and you'd be talking about you know somebody that they could um, realistically cut after the season. You know, it doesn't really cost them very much to go out and, and get Jerry Hughes. The, the financial cost this year would be. Uh, very slim as well and, and if he plays well you keep him right and then next year you have bosa mac and jerry hughes i think that's a really good edge room and then obviously chris rumpf as well so um that's somebody i would be very very interested in and to me it's almost kind of like the biggest name that we could probably realistically talk about because we're, we're going to mention realistic trade targets here like we're not talking about brian burns and dj moore and mm -hmm. uh elijah moore as much as we would personally love elijah moore on this show um, you know, that's the focus, right? Is these realistic trade targets. And I think Jerry Hughes makes a lot of sense. Tom Telesco actually drafted him in Indianapolis. So it's not like there's no familiarity there. You know, he hasn't really overlapped with any of the, the coaching staffs by any means, but, um, again, they need a legit edge too, in my opinion right now, because Joey Bosa is out and, you know, potentially back in like three or four weeks. We'll see. But, um, you know, I think Jerry Hughes would checks a lot of boxes for them, makes an instant impact. Um, and somebody's going to get him for really cheap and it's going to be really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see him on the the chiefs or the bills or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like you said, it's about as big of a realistic uh, trade target as we could really think of, which I know the chat will not think that's very fun, but we're trying to be somewhat realistic here. Atauchu, Yes. He is currently slated to be their edge four. yes. Tuska is their edge three or whatever. How do you want to flip flop those? But, both those guys can pretty clearly be replaced. Uh, that's not very difficult. So I think you absolutely can justify it based on what Quinn, you know, what they got for Quinn um, should be pretty easy. And the contract isn't all that bad. So, yeah, I would love to see it because it hasn't been great uh, along the edge. Uh, I think Kyle Van Noy has been a bit better. I think he kind of started a bit rougher. I think things have been getting better. But now that yeah. you don't have Chris Rump, you, you do have to do something. And I hope they're not complacent at this spot. Yeah, they, they, again, really need some help because they're going to play some really good offensive lines in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, if they are serious about being a playoff team still, um, I, I think they have to make uh, a move of some kind of pass rusher <laughs> beyond adding a special teamer who was productive in 2020. So, um, Tyler, who is your first name that you uh, brought up or are going to bring up today? Sick. Okay, so uh, you had mentioned a couple of times throughout podcasts or just mentioning it to us in the chat that McKitty has been a bit of a problem. And frankly, having focused on him a bit more the last couple of weeks and just watching what the offense looks like when he's not the tight end too, it's pretty clear that in as nice of a way I can put it, McKitty's not cutting it right now. If you watch a negative run play for the Chargers and where it currently stands where Eckler is now more of his, his former self. It's either Matt Filer did something wrong, but not as much the last couple of weeks, or it's basically Trey McKitty blowing some assignments. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty consistent. I turn on a half against the Seahawks, and I could say there's probably four plays in there where McKitty just could not block his guy, and the run, whatever it was scheduled to go for, 
It went for less because McKitty, it was just not cutting it. I don't know what happened. I know that there's a new run game. Well, there's no run game coordinator now. I know yeah. Frank Smith is gone, but they do still have Kevin Coger. So I would expect him to have taken what he did last year and take that step forward or at least be the same guy. But to me, if you're asking me, you know, who is the worst kind of starter on the team, I think it's Trey McKitty almost hands down. I think he's been an absolute disappointment so far. And at this point, watching Justin Herbert try to distribute passes, there are instances where McKitty is wide open and Herbert was like, no, I'll, I'll literally <laughs> go anywhere else but yeah. Trey McKitty. Like there's no chemistry there. He's not a productive receiver right now and he's not blocking very well. Do I think he can still develop? Absolutely. He did the great things last year. It looked like he was going to take that next step, but he hasn't. And you have this Chargers team that wants to run two tight end sets. They want to be productive, you know, when they're two tight ends. But McKitty's taken a step back. Everett's Everett's been really solid. But Donald Parham, he's, you know, no fault of his own. That's unreliable right now. And frankly, like he is probably gone next year um, from this team. We'll see. So you really do have to start considering someone else. So that's my long-winded way of saying that I'm trying to replace one of the worst run blockers, according to Pro Football Focus. I have no other way to judge him. Um, I think he's 90th out of 93 in run blocking grade for tight ends. Not great. That is an accurate assessment by Pro Football Focus. It is. Oh, 100%. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that checks out. No problem. Who is a team that Telesco's made trades with before? I'm going with Chicago Bears, and I'm going to look at Cole Komet, the tight end from the Bears. Where did he go to college, everyone? Notre Dame. Dame. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. You can still get your Notre Dame quota for the year. Um, He does have an elite RAS score to pair. Is he a great tight end? No. He did have 600 yards last year, and but bookending those two things are you know a subpar rookie year and a really slow start to this year. But he's a much better blocker than Trey McKitty, which isn't saying a whole a lot. But you know, McKitty is like the bottom one percentile. Cole Komet more like your 70th percentile. I'll take that. You can't rely on Parham. You can't rely on McKitty. You want to be a two tight end offense. Honestly. I know a speed receiver is the big thing everyone wants. I promise you the, the offense would just be significantly better if they just had a tight end two who could block and occasionally catch passes. We saw how it looked against you know the Browns when Donald Barham played, what, half a game and how much better that looked. They need to do something. I think Cole Komet is a legit sort of realistic target. He's not really doing anything for the Browns, or excuse me, for the Bears. Is he available? I don't know. But it's not like he's a core key cog for them right now. It's just not really working. They overdrafted him. He's in his third year. I say give it a shot. Yeah. So for reference's sake, he's the 24th highest graded run blocker on Pro Football Focus. So that's um, better. That's much better. It's much, much <laughs> better. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted this out. You know, I was so jealous watching the Seattle Seahawks tight ends because all three of them are really freaking good blockers. They are. You know, Will Disley is probably their best receiver. He's not a great receiver, right? But, um, you know, it's it's just a a function that the Chargers do not have. And last year, you know, when you had Parham and you had Anderson and you had uh, McKitty, who was much better than the the Chargers, were able to do a lot more. So I agree. The, The lack of a blocking tight end is really, really noticeable on this team and i think a lot of it frankly is just poor technique by trey mckitty so it's not like he you know looks slow or he's not healthy or you know he's making poor decisions it's just really bad technique out there and so 
Um, I'm on the same page. I have a tight end. Your tight end call was much better. I think Cole Komet is probably a better player than the tight end that I'm going to bring up. Um, but I, I think Cole Komet would be fantastic. So, um, like I said, my tight end wasn't a high draft pick, doesn't have an elite RAS score, but I think he's a functional tight end, and that's Nick Vanette from the Saints right now. So oh, okay. he's overlapped a few times with this Chargers coaching staff, actually. He was in Denver, shocker, <laughs> with Brandon Staley. Um, he was obviously drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, so he's got familiarity with um, Chandler Whitmer and, and Shoemaker as well. And he was also in Pittsburgh with Sean Surratt and Matt Filer. So um, lots of scheme familiarity, coaching familiarity there with Nick Vanette. He's kind of been a healthy scratch this year as they've made the transition from uh, quarterback to tight end for one Taysom Hill. Um, so he's he's not going to move the needle, right? He's not going to be as good as Cole Komet. <laughs> um, but I do think that he is a, a reliable, solid blocker. And I think he can actually make some plays after the after the catch. So um, again, he's would probably cost like a conditional seventh. I mean, he's not even he's not even playing for the Saints right now. Um, but I, I think that checks a lot of boxes, right? Like I think they need a reliable blocker. And you know, you're talking about Donald Parham. I don't even know if Donald Parham is going to play again, like after his second concussion. So um, tight end, I think, is definitely an underrated need that people are not really talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bears, I mean, really the entire NFC is just weird as a whole because you have a lot of teams that are three and four and four and three, um, and you could make a path to where the Bears win the wild card or, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, and I was thinking even about the Falcons for some potential trade. And I'm like, well, like the Falcons are technically tied for first in their division because Tom Brady sucks yeah. right now. <laughs> that's true so like you really you know aside from like the eagles the giants and the vikings in the nfc it's like every team technically could compete but it's a matter of obviously the bears signal today with the robert quinn trade that they are you know indeed sellers so i think that the cold commit thing uh certainly becomes an interesting conversation um you know if the if the chargers are interested in that yeah absolutely so uh, a, a bit more of a fun name. I've, I've mentioned Kendrick Bourne on here a few times. I, I don't want to like rehash that. So um, I am going to mention Marquez Callaway here again, another saint. I think this to me is probably the easiest trade call for me because he's been in New Orleans. He knows that scheme very, very well. Uh, he was with Joe Lombardi the year that he came out and he was also at Tennessee with Josh Palmer and Derek Ansley. So there's a lot of coaching familiarity there as well. Uh, he's tall, so he he, meet, he meets the height quota. Um, he runs a four yeah. five, so it's not super fast. So he he checks that box as well. Um, I will say he has hit twenty two miles per hour a few times in the NFL and in college. So he could have just had a poor day at the combine. So he's not Jalen Guyton fast. He's not Tyreek Hill fast by any means, but um, he's been a successful deep. Uh, route runner playmaker for the Saints in the past. He's, he is struggling a little mm -hmm. bit with drops this year, but last year um, he had nearly 800 yards. He had over 800 yards receiving. He was 12th in the league in yards per reception. He was mm -hmm. 16th in a dot. So he he is a successful uh, deep route receiver, and the Chargers need that. They don't have any of that right now outside of Mike Williams. So 
he wouldn't move the needle. You know, a lot of people are talking about like Brandon Cooks and again, Elijah Moore and, and stuff like that. Um, Max D is pointing Den- Denzel Mims out. I wouldn't hate that, but there's no scheme familiarity. There's no coaching connections to Denzel Mims. Marquez mm-hmm. Callaway is as close to plug and play that you can get on the trade market. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Again, he's not a needle mover, but he can actually do what you're missing from not having Jalen Guyton out there. He's familiar with the scheme. He's familiar with the coaches. And to me, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, as far as connecting the dots, this is it. I mean, you talk about former players, former coaches uh, from different teams, colleges, you name it. Absolutely. And right down, yes, to the height and the low 40. But <laughs> like he caught eight passes of 20 or more yards last year, which is as many as DK yeah. Metcalf had and just one less than Tyreek Hill. So he had more 20 yard passes than Cooks and Mooney. Then Marcus Valdez Scantling, you know, Henry Ruggs, anybody you're thinking of. Well, I guess not Ruggs anymore, um, but any of these other trade targets or something that you considered maybe this past offseason, he had more than most of these guys. So I'm not completely against it. And his, his salary for the entire year is less than $900,000. So, right. you know, for this team to not have to make any real significant, you know, other moves to make this work, you immediately get him in the building. He understands so much with, the coaching staff with players it's absolutely plug and play and he he's if i, if I had to put money on anybody and i shouldn't because i'll lose it would be marquez calloway um all right alex who's your uh next name you want to talk about um yeah well i mean i'll i'll pull a surprise here and i'll mention both of the patriots on wanted receivers um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But I'll mention Nelson Aguilar, too, my mortal enemy and former (laughs) Super Bowl 52 champion. Um, I don't know. He, I've thought about it, and, you know, the draw percentage, obviously, is one thing that is, like, concerning. But, man, do the Chargers miss Jalen Guyton in a very bad way. Like, just somebody that has that speed that can get over the top, like, because they, they don't have it right now. Uh, with anybody on their team and if you could get somebody like Nelson Aguilar for probably not much I can't imagine the Patriots are looking for more than a late day three pick on him since they're not using him anyway and they're just trying to you know get all these assets Um, I believe his contract just his contract just runs to the end of this year right Um, yeah he's an expiring contract which you know is kind of it's kind of perfect for the Chargers who, you know, don't know what they want to do at receiver long term outside of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, which gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, and so I would just say that, you know, at this point, just to have someone, I mean, look, if you're not going to use John Hightower, you might as well just have another Eagles receiver who doesn't have good hands, but is fast. And so then Nelson Aguilar is the answer there. Kendrick Bourne is my preferred one if the Chargers want to go in that direction. Um, I think adds a little bit more intermediate route running than someone like Aguilar does and is a little bit more consistent. I could see him becoming like an easy Herbert target, especially in this time where Keenan Allen's not 100%. Mike Williams is out for at least a month. Um, I think he's someone that could fit a little bit more seamlessly than, you know, forcing the ball to DeAndre Carter has or Josh Palmer, who's obviously been out with the concussion and injury. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think he could be a great stabilizing presence too. Uh, and also gives them some flexibility for what they want to do going forward. Not an expiring contract like Aguilar, but 
He is a one-year, $7 million uh, mm-hmm. contract next year, and I believe they can decide to cut him and also save money. So you either have a cheap, affordable contract next year or you know they can decide to move on if the rest of the season doesn't play out well. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I'm kind of in favor of both of them just because, man, they desperately need help in the receiver room. DeAndre Carter cannot be out here playing 94% of the snaps. Um, I was pretty compspectful when I just saw that today in general. Um, and, you know, Keenan is not, does not have the burst that the Chargers need and, and might not get that back over these next two weeks during the bye. And Mike Williams is out a month. They need help. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I would prefer Kendrick Bourne straight up as well because I think Bourne's just a better receiver and he, and he is familiar with the staff is familiar with at least some of the scheme that they are running um so i would prefer born you know in a vacuum i mean keenan's coming back josh palmer potentially coming back um, but nelson aguilar bringing something that this team needs he's a legit 4-4 guy at uh usc out of usc excuse me um so he's somebody that i think should be at least they should be calling about right because the, the nelson aguilar um, not really going to be playing a ton as Tyquan Thornton really kind of becomes that guy in New England. So um, I, I'm, I'd be okay with Nelson Aguilar. I don't think it, again, none of these guys are going to be needle movers. That's not the point of this conversation, right? Um, but I, I think Nelson Aguilar checks a lot of boxes as well, just not really connected to this coaching staff. Yes, I can't wait for Chargers fans to have a mild panic because we're getting another former Patriot from Bill. And, you know, how much we trust that. And a former Raider. Oh, yeah. A lot cheaper of a former Patriot. That's fair enough. Also very true. Also very true. Um, Aguilar was actually pretty good with the Raiders, I will say. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, Tyler, you have you done two or just the one? I've just done the one, although I really agreed with Marquez Calloway. Uh, I will bring him up because I brought him up again. I will rehash here. Deami Brown from the Commanders, a player that I freaking loved. I know Steven really liked as well. I think we were similar in our grades for him. The Commanders have $120 million in total money allocated towards the wide receiver position. That does not include Deami Brown. Um, Over the next couple of years, obviously, it's not just one year. Um, And part of that investment also does include that first rounder for Dotson. Deami Brown out of college. He was a fantastic top of route, deep, get open sort of receiver, but he was also a very solid blocker. And those two attributes for me were a reason to take him, heck, maybe even in the second round, let alone the third round, which I believe is where he ended up going either right after Josh Palmer or pretty close. Or did he go a little bit later? I forget. He was after Palmer, yeah. Yay. Um, <laughs> the, Chargers, the Chargers really could use him as a deep route runner and yeah. as a solid blocker. Does he still do that in the NFL? I'm not entirely sure. I can't say I've watched all of the commanders, Deami Brown film and snaps, but we did also just see him catch two 50 yard bombs from Mr. Carson Wentz. Um, so listen, it's a position of need. He has a very specific skill set that I do think fits the chargers. He runs a four, four. It's an NFC team. That team is probably not headed for the greatest spots yet. Um, they can afford to let him go. Um, there's even technically history with the head coach. Let it rip. I think that's a player that the commanders, if they want to find some draft capital, if they're maybe not feeling Sam Howell or whatever, um, you know, get something, go get Deami Brown. I'd be all for it. I want to say that they brought him in for a visit or maybe, or was that the COVID year? So maybe it was a virtual visit. A Zoom thing. <laughs> Probably was a Zoom thing. 
Um, but yeah, I would love that as well. And Deami Brown is, is uh, you know, pretty high up my list. He was actually in my top 10. Josh Palmer was like a sleeper for me. Um, mm. So Deami Brown, I think Terrace Marshall, you who you've talked about as well, would make some sense, although he's you know kind of taking on a larger role without Robbie Anderson there. So um, yeah, Deami Brown would, would check a lot of boxes for me as well. And again, that's kind of a longer term solution potentially to, to uh, develop as well. So I, I'd be about that. Yeah. Um, Steven, do you have another name to mention or I do, I do have another name. So the, the last thing that I'm going to talk about, uh, he was somebody that I advocated for signing this off season. That's Lorenzo Carter, uh, who used to be hmm. with the giants, uh, Brandon Staley. I still remember this from, you know, researching him that Brandon Staley giving him like a random shout out ahead of the giants game last year. Uh, he is a former bulldog, Georgia bulldog. So you know, Brandon Staley loves that university. He likely scouted him when he was in Chicago. Um, he's not playing a ton in uh, Atlanta right now. He's kind of being phased out for the young players, D'Angelo Malone, and I forget who else they drafted um, as well. So he's not playing a ton right now. He's not being super productive by any means. But last year when he was with the Giants, he had 31 total pressures, five sacks, three quarterbacks hit three quarterback hits, excuse me. So not, again, not a needle mover, but he had a 12% win rate, pass rush win rate last year and a PRP of around 8 per 8.2, I think it was. Um, so he's, to me, he's like a viable edge three that could legitimately like rotate with Kyle Van Noy and still be productive. So um, <laughs> and I wrote him down before Charger signed Jeremiah Otachu to apparently be that guy. Um, so I, <laughs> sorry, Tyler. <laughs> um, yeah, like, again, I, I'm not asking for much here. You know, I'm not asking for a starter, although I would love Jerry Hughes, but, um, Lorenzo Carter to me makes a lot of sense. Again, I, I thought that they should have, uh, signed him in the off season would have been really cheap. He's on a two year deal, not very expensive. Uh, he's been a productive three, four outside linebacker. He went to Georgia. Brandon Staley knows who he is. <laughs> so, uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I'll mention one more. A, a guy who I've said before and has been the MVP of trade rumors, uh, Andre Dillard. Uh, <laughs> yes, for the brand. <laughs> for the brand. Um, the Eagles are still figuring out what to do with him. Uh, I believe it was Jordan Schultz who actually tweeted that today, uh, along with Dalton Reisner, uh, are both, you know, uh, uh-huh. offensive linemen that are getting some interest around the league. Um, now the Eagles have to navigate what to do there because Jordan Mailata, I believe, is dealing with a shoulder thing. So, you know, they'll have to navigate whether or not they kind of want to sacrifice the depth there, get an extra pick. Um, technically, the Eagles only have six picks after giving up the fourth today. So if they want to get a pick back for, uh, you know, Andre Dillard, then they can decide to do that. Uh, and sort of be quasi buyers and sellers if they want to get that pick equity back. Um, so yeah, very on brand to suggest Andre Dillard, but you know the Chargers also still do need offensive line help, especially a swing tackle. Certainly, we trust Andre Dillard being the guy over Storm Norton right now. Um, you know, to be a swing tackle. Uh, and obviously Trey Pipkins has not been 100% the last few weeks. I believe in terms of his MCL timeline, still has. Uh, the long end of that was like three to six weeks. So, I mean, he probably still has like three or four more weeks still. He's 100% too. Not to mention you're already starting Jamari Salier on the other side of that line and Slater's out. 
Um, so I think it's a potential option. Uh, maybe not so much for the Chargers, but potentially for another team. Uh, but I think it would be worth poking around if the Chargers kind of want to fortify their depth there um, until Slater maybe is able to come back later in the season or just to be more comfortable with the swing tackle situation right now. So I'm terrified of the idea of trading with Howie Roseman because I know it's just <laughs> going to look like an absolute dunk on the Chargers. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, some account named at underscore ML football, who's an independent NFL reporter approved by the NFL and NFLPA, has 13.6 thousand followers. Uh, did tweet out about three hours ago that the Chargers have called about Andre Dillard. I don't know if I trust that at all, but somebody earlier in the chat mentioned the Chargers and Andre Dillard, so I went and searched on Twitter, and that was the tweet that was being referenced. Yeah. So, okay, well, my question would be, what do you do with him? Is he... I can't see it happening, I mean, because you're unless you're trading for a backup swing tackle like that doesn't make any sense to me i mean are you benching matt filer and putting jamari sawyer at left guard like how invested are we in andre dillard so yeah i mean i guess it kind of depends on what you want to do because if you wanted to see for example how trey pipkins has maybe played the last two weeks and go hey maybe it's worth putting him on like short-term ir and like getting him 100 percent like that could be a potential scenario. But other than that, I, I guess there's not like an immediate path to um, Andre Dillard starting uh, aside mm-hmm. from just an injury obviously happening now, but maybe just getting it done before the trade deadline and just having him as a swing tackle body. But again, like, yeah, you don't usually just trade for a swing tackle, but yeah, I, I would uh, just be so upset if like the one <laughs> trade deadline move Tom Salisco makes is for a backup offensive lineman. I at least would respect it because I feel like that's <laughs> like you're trying to be prepared for something sure. not working. So I would get that. Um, I would bring up someone like Cam Irving from the Carolina Panthers as well. Um, he stuck behind the two starters. And I think there was some, not rumor, but I think pro football, pro football focus, you know, mentioned him as someone he's played more than 400 snaps at four spots in the line. So I think I'd go with him uh, potentially if we're looking like a backup sort of something, swing something. Uh, because sure, why not? Um, my last guy, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Uh, listen, I want to fix this offense. So I picked a receiver. I picked a blocking tight end. I'm going to go with a running back. Uh, let's go. Uh, you know, it's, it's reunion day. Let's go get Justin Jackson. Uh, from the Lions, <laughs> I like, thought you were going to talk about Melvin Gordon there for a second. <laughs> no, no, that's hilarious. But no, I'm not, I'm not that stupid um listen man justin jackson you look at any number you want and the numbers were great last year there was a stretch of three games we had more than 10 touches he had 322 total yards and two touchdowns joshua kelly is hurt sony michelle really ain't it and isaiah spiller I, you know i would hate to hamper his development but he barely just beat out larry roundtree last week and he yeah. played zero special team snaps as well you have someone like Justin Jackson, who was very good on a per-play basis last year, who also had six special teams tackles. Listen, man, I just, <laughs> you got to try. And I keep saying this guy's good. He was good last year. I get that he's injury prone. But, like, we need, like, three or four games here. And right now, Sony Michelle just quite isn't it. 
get back to the tandem that was excellent last year. I think you at least got to give him a shot. Uh, it'll never happen. But we did just bring back <laughs> Jeremiah Tauchu, so I have a little bit of faith, I guess. That's that's the pipe dream. That's the big name, Justin Jackson. Oh yeah, I you, I would <laughs> I'd be so hyped. If you want to know where my brain's at, uh, I just did a Google Troy Main Pope just to figure out where he yeah. is. <laughs> uh, and he is on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the wow. CFL. So he's available if the Chargers want to make the offer to go get Troy Main Pope. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I Justin Jackson would be interesting. I mean, it, Melvin Gordon... I, I don't know. I mean, the Broncos wouldn't do it, but like, well, I, they might. I feel like it's like a, a sleeper agent. A sleeper lose agent. Yeah. Melvin Gordon. Um, yeah, I don't think that one's like particularly likely, but I'm eh, there is some like it makes a little sense for both teams there, but I don't think the Chargers are willing to replace Sony Michelle at this point. Um, and they're going to get Joshua Kelly back at some point. So I, I don't see them making a move or running back, but yeah. Um, would like for them maybe to go to go aggressive and go grab a Kareem hunt who obviously is available in the trade market, but don't, don't see them doing it. Well, I feel like yeah. there's a few reasons that won't work out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But running back in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um. Yeah, a lot of people mentioning the Broncos in the chat and on Twitter today. Um, I, I mean, you have you'd have to do some kind of tax, right, to like yeah. you know allow Denver to be like, okay, yeah, let's trade with the Chargers. So, I mean, KJ Hamler would be fantastic, man. I would I would love that addition. I really liked mm -hmm. him at college. Uh, he can return the ball, and he's an actual deep threat. So that would be fun. Um, they have some good blocking tight ends as well. Like that would be cool. Um, mm -hmm. So um, again, no super big names today. That's not, you know, what we do here. We try and be realistic and right. uh, you know, these, these kind of conversations, you know, Tyler, I'm, I've been really thinking about Cole Komet, man. And I've got to say, I would love that one. Yeah. It's just crazy how Denver signed Russell Wilson, gave him all this money. And meanwhile, the trade deadline, we're like, okay, well, they'll trade Jerry Judy and just get rid of KJ Hamler and get rid of Melvin Gordon. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, yeah, that season, I guess, has gone south fast. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, anybody else that you wanted to mention here, uh, whether you've looked at some other names that maybe you want to throw a, a dart at? Um, <laughs> I mean... People have mentioned Slayton. I feel like that's been brought up a couple of times. Um, someone in the chat did mention Tommy Tremble. Uh, but no, I, I was just trying to roll through these. I, I was going to go through some more edge rushers. The Itachi news dropped, and I just went, never mind. I guess I'm not looking at edge rushers <laughs> today. So, I mean, they still might do it, but I just, I feel like we know where this is going. Alex, any other thoughts here? No, I think we exhausted all the players and, you know, it'll be great when you, maybe Tom Telesco will find it in his heart to trade for Rayshon Jenkins. I don't know. Like, just honestly, he's <laughs> uh, been good for Jacksonville, to be he honest. Has um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Jacksonville's two and five. Maybe you get them to sell. But uh, no, I, I, I think we've exhausted all the names and I've. I am a sicko for Googling where Troy Main Pope is. 
Um, but I, I think that um, none of these trades are going to happen anyway because we're rolling with Jerry Atauchu and God knows who else in the next five days. Yeah, we have uh, you know, trade deadline is coming. We'll see what happens. You know, a lot of these teams sound like they're trying to wait to see if they lose on Sunday, and if they do, then they'll start trading people. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, somebody keeps on saying Boyd to the Chargers. Does anybody know what that's about? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, Denzel Mims, I, I, I would be a fan of that as well. So um, for what it's worth, I, I did reach out to a couple agents today. I did reach out to um, uh, just a general media member who's kind of, you know, worked around the NFL for a while, um, at least in terms of the receiver position. The, the general sense is that the Chargers want to see what happens with Josh Palmer. They want to see what really happens with Mike Williams. Um, and then they'll assess. So um, come Monday, if Josh Palmer is still in concussion protocol, Mike Williams is is potentially going on IR, then I wouldn't rule out a trade for a receiver. Um, but it, it, it sounds like this team really wants to make Josh Palmer, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen work. They've only played 12 snaps together, so I understand it. But um, yeah, that's where, at least from a receiver perspective, that's where the team seems to be at right now. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we'll get a tight end trade. That'd be really fun. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to wrap up today's show. Uh, we're going to revisit this uh, tiers list that we made before the season, um, putting the Chargers key players into some tiers. And again, this is uh, what I was talking about. Some of these are going to be... a <laughs> very noticeably different than what we uh, were talking about before the season. So um, we are going to, again, move some people around today. So we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, Alex, who's your uh, first standout here that you want to move up or down? Um... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, I guess if we're just going like first person, you see Filer down probably relative to the season that he's had. Um, you know, I guess if we we could put him, I guess from the B to the C tier, um, given his play this season, but definitely has regressed a little bit from last year. So sort of just scrolling down from S to F, probably the first you know guy that I personally noticed. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair with him. I think Tyler put him in the right spot. Um, I'm putting uh, Trey Pipkins up in the B tier. Uh, I'm moving him all the way up top with Mike Williams and Gerald Everett. Um, you know, obviously went back and watched the film from this week. I know he technically gave up the sack, but uh, he looked great, man. He looked much more like mm-hmm. himself. He looked healthy. Um, had a couple really fantastic reps against the Chen Mosu whenever and Mosu went to the other side. So um, I know people were really upset about the sack that he gave up, but Outside of that, man, and really that was more a Justin Herbert issue for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Trey Pipkins was back to his usual self uh, on Sunday, and I fully expect him to uh, continue to get healthier and look better going forward. Yeah, absolutely. He did look pretty solid outside of that one play, which, again, you could debate was really him. I don't know if we're moving you know, injured guys all that much. Uh, I think Joshua Kelly does deserve a bump up especially with the new number from uh, you know the roster bubble practice squad <laughs> F tier. Uh, that's kind of where he was last year. I think we put him in the F tier because we put Roundtree in the D tier. So there was where uh, Kelly ended up. I don't yeah, really know. This was before know... training camp, wasn't it? So this was us oh, trying yeah. to uh, figure out who the RB3, RB4 was. So Josh Kelly has definitely earned the right to move up, even though he's on injured reserve right now. Yeah. Is he? I don't know if I can officially put him as a solid you know, number two option, just technically we haven't seen enough from him, but I'll put him like the C plus tier. There's a little bit of upside. There. I, I do think there's upside with him here. Yeah. Um, you can put Trey McKitty's ass down in the next tier as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where is he? Yeah. He... I mean, yeah, he's, he's certainly playing like that. Um, and Larry Roundtree as well. I mean, he was oh, yeah, cut, that's a quick so. one. Uh, Norton can have a new category. Um, who's, next, who's, that next to, who's that next to Kelly and in, in next to Palmer? This is uh, Xander Horvath. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's fine. Sure. I'm mostly okay with this. I do think if we're being realistic, I think we're we're there with one Justin Herbert. Um, outside of the all-pro tier, obviously. Uh, can he work back into it? Maybe. We considered all pro what like top five top consistently, four, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, just not there right now, and that's not entirely his fault. It's been bumped up by Gino. I mean, sadly, just <laughs> somebody said, "Where's Brandon Staley's tier?" This is a player tier. We're not there yet. <laughs> well, chat. Where would you put Brandon Staley? I can. I could make a tier. I can't add his him though. Um. I feel like DeAndre Carter, we could put him. Do we move him up a tier? Yeah, I think we can put him in C. He's been solid. It's just, you know, not the role that he should be playing. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's, just, yeah. It's, it's painful seeing Jalen Guyton here because, God, he would help so much right now. Um, everything yeah. that happened. But, yeah. I definitely agree moving Josh Palmer down a tier. That is, that is very fair. Same with Isaiah Spiller. Obviously, he's not he's barely playing. Um, do we have more more players at the bottom, or is that it? That's it. Are we moving to the defense, or oh, because you have it separated offense defense? Okay, I yeah, like... we did it separately last time. Okay, okay. Um, give you one moment. No, no, no! Shut up! I was just going to see if we wanted to move anybody else up, but I, I think that's that's fine. So it's all good. Oh, boy, Tyler. What are we doing here? 
I was really confused there. I'm like, where's the linebackers? Where's the pass rushers? So it's all I right. ask that every week too. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I'm gonna take. Oh man, this is painful to look at. This is really painful. All right, uh, JC Jackson in the S Pro or S the All Pro tier. Um, I mean. <laughs> I feel really bad moving him out, but C plus. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair move. Considering we didn't get to see everything from him. Damn, that's really painful. You know, another painful thing. I don't know if Derwin's been playing at an All Pro level this year. I hasn't. I know people hate that. I know Arjun's coverage metric hates it. Um, if his rookie year or the best of Derwin is his all pro level, then I would not say he's been playing at that same level. I'd say top 10. Yeah. And I even think like very close to all pro that could turn around very quick, but yeah, I, I would agree. Joey also painful for the opposite reason. Cause I felt like his first couple games were yeah. pro level stuff mm -hmm. and, uh, he was probably headed for that. So. That yeah. sucks, but I don't know if we can move him up when he's injured right now. Yeah, just a few more games and you probably could have, but no, at this point. At the level he was playing, sure, absolutely, but couldn't do it. Khalil, I think probably still top 10. If he had maintained a little bit more momentum, more momentum against the Seahawks, maybe I know there's some good run defense in there, which is really good. Um, is he top three? I mean, there's a lot of pass rushers out, but I don't. He's closer I, to All-Pro than he was before. Yeah, I, I'm fine leaving Clue Mac where he is. You know, obviously there were a lot of people talking about Uchenna and Wosu this week. And I understand that he's having a good season as a pass rusher. But, I mean, Clue Mac is, is so valuable as a run defender that I'm I'm good leaving him there. Mm -hmm. um, next for me, I'm comfortable moving Asante Samuel Jr. up a tier. I think he's been really good. Um, he's been... Uh, top five in the league in forced incompletions. He is giving up a lot of yards, but he's playing a lot of off coverage as well at times. So yeah. uh, I'm comfortable with Asante Sammy Jr. as a B-level starter next to Sebastian. And frankly, I think we could move Morgan Fox up a tier as well. Uh, I'd also move Bryce Callahan to the very same tier. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Bryce Callahan Bryce. has been awesome yeah. for this team, yep. I, honestly, I, I, would, I would even petition that he would have top 10 slot corner status i know it's yeah slot corner 100 if you want to make that distinction I'm, I'm cool with that yeah yeah i would i would totally agree uh with that one um i'd move uh i'd move drew tranquil up uh i, I guess say that c, next, c yeah. plus c plus tier yeah i'm cool with that he's been really good with moments there's still you know the both of the linebackers have some kind of eye recognition and just lack of physicality, like a lack of ability to shed blocks. But Drangle's mm -hmm. been really good, man. He's been a great blitzer. He's been great in coverage. Um, I think Arjun's coverage metric had him as like the best on the team, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I'm cool with Tranquil there. Um, I would also say that we, I wouldn't hate moving uh, Morgan Fox up a tier. Although he's not I really their number two. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends how you... Should we move Austin Johnson up a tier then? I think so. 
I mean, he's top five yeah. in run stops and run stop percentage right now. So would you go average starter with upside? Or above average B tier? Um, I'm cool with his, C plus tier. I'm cool with C plus okay. tier. Yeah. I feel like his role maybe makes him like B tier, but it's like maybe not as Morgan Fox has been really great as a pass rusher lately. Um, run defender, not as much, but I think what you do as a pass rusher, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say something crazy that I didn't expect to see before the, uh, say before the season, promote Jerry Tillery from B to B. <laughs> Tyler read your mind. He was hovering on it. Yeah. I mean, Tillery's yep. been good, man. He he's had some good moments and, um, he had three pretty good reps on uh, Sunday that were wiped out from penalties too. So um, mm-hmm. that was unfortunate to see. I thought his thought his roughing the passer penalty was frankly bullshit. It was so annoying. Yeah, it was. Um, does, does Christian Covington get a bump for the famous fourth and two stop uh, against <laughs> Houston? <laughs> no, 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 he doesn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, JT has uh, been a healthy scratch. So, I mean, who's next to JT? Is that uh, it's, oh, Tavon Troy Reader? <laughs> the, oh, oh, the this other is Troy Reader. Yeah. Okay. Tavon Campbell. Oh, he's not on the team. Uh, I yep. guess I could just start making some of these. <laughs> if I'm talking active roster. Yeah. yeah obviously, we did this. Uh, uh, amen. Jaw Taylor. Uh, ja- no, Taylor can't move up yet, but I, I, I like him. Special teams wise, absolutely could move up. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. off a of burger, unfortunately. How sad uh, to the left of JT. Is that Troy Reader? Yeah, okay. This is Troy Reader, obviously not changing him. I just was wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more movement here. Although some guys on offense might have moved, but they're just they're banged up, they're injured. Um, how do we feel about the draft picks the last couple of years? Like, we, did, we didn't talk about moving Chris Rumpf. You know, Neiman is still there. Still feel the same about both of them in terms of I mean, Neiman, Neiman, his value right now is is purely special teams. Yeah. I mean, Rumpf, you could probably say the same. Ooh. I wish I could move JT Woods up. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I'm I'm really well. Was he active? He was not. No, he, he was against Denver, he was yeah. sort of recently once, but then, I mean, he, he should be active now. I mean, you know, they're <laughs> they're <laughs> they're uh, moving the roster spot from J.C. Jackson to uh, Jeremiah Tauchu, so J.T. Woods should be active. I guess in theory, like if that's J.T. Woods, then either he sh- then Gilman should either technically be a D tier or flip flop J.T. to F tier. Yeah. Uh, prior to this very last game, I think there could have had a conversation about moving Nas Adderley down, but yeah. he's I'm been, he's been good the last two keep, weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm fine with keeping him where he is. Um, yeah, could we move Gilman up a tier? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he he technically should be ahead. <laughs> He should, yeah, he should be ahead of JT. This is the gift interception that Jacoby threw. Um, <laughs> but he, but he yeah, I mean, he I is know. ahead of JT on the depth chart. So I think he yeah, does have to at least be in the same tier. Yeah, that's fair. All right. 
So the Chargers have half a billion dollars invested in their defense and not a single all pro currently. Although I know I'm sure Chargers fans in the chat are talking about Derwin and uh, Khalil. Who's the best player on defense though right now? Like at their spot. The, is it the, Callahan? At their spot, it's Callahan. Uh, I think Callahan is is arguably the best slot corner in the league right now. Yeah, that, that's we're we're close to that. I think I don't know if we'll get recognition I, for this defense, but I'd say if we're if we're not distinguishing slot and uh slot and overall corner, then it's probably Bosa. But yeah, if yeah. we are distinguishing mm-hmm. them, Callahan. Yeah. There we go. All righty. Ask you to do that. So um, I do agree with, I mean, if Joey Buster were healthy, it would be him 100%, but he's not. So it's Callahan to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a little bit of a performance report, I guess, or, or stock check-in. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed that one. So, I, you know, I'm interesting to see some movement. Unfortunately, players not living up to it or uh, definitely living up to it. So, you know, it was a good conversation. Yeah, the I like going back and reflecting because we just sometimes we just power forward past everything, and I like to go look back at like mock drafts and free agent projections and all that sort of stuff just to see what worked, what didn't work, and then where we might have been off based on you know where we thought players were going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, talked a little bit about uh, current players on the roster. Talked about some potential trade targets on our on our next episode. We are going to kind of focus in on. Some, you know, internal personnel changes. I think you can imagine one of them, at least based off the conversation today with Trey McKitty. Um, you know, we'll also talk about just some general, you know, schematic things we'd like to see going forward, how the team can kind of uh, improve throughout the rest of the season. So um, as I said on Twitter yesterday, I will be dropping a uh, an interview with Bridget Condon, uh, NFL Network reporter, who's fantastic, doing a lot of great stuff covering the Chargers and and other things so uh keep an eye out for that conversation and then tyler also has an interview that will be dropping tomorrow yes interview with the 33rd football teams uh josh larkey you know that that group was chase daniels on there um all the time you've seen his little segments um that's where chase daniel currently resides as well he's he's making the rounds though yeah he is he's doing nfl network as well so um have a good couple interviews dropping and then we're not going to do our usual Saturday Q&A since the Chargers are on a bye week. Um, we will be going live again on Sunday, though. Um, we'll uh, have some good conversations that day. And again, um, kind of focus on how this team takes the next step back to potentially getting back on track. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate all of the uh, chats and the, the positive feedback. So um, if you are listening to this, please leave a rating or a review. We always do appreciate that as well. So uh, we will see you guys on Sunday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.